I was um, just completely overdiagnosed and almost just really harmfully overtreated by my medical practice, the medical practice that I go to. And I thought, and I was kept pushing back on all this stuff they wanted to do. And I thought, you know, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Welcome to the Solving Healthcare podcast. I'd like to introduce our guest today, Al Lewis. Al, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, Michael. So Al, as you know, on the show, we seek to interview companies and individuals that are positively disrupting the healthcare industry. Are you up for a conversation? I am as, uh, as disruptive as, as people come. So uh, in the immortal words of the great philosopher, uh, Pat Benatar, uh, hit me with your best shot. Yeah, and I, I do love rock and roll. So um, I'd like to start out reading a little bit of your bio and then ask you some questions about who you are and what problems your company seeks to solve. Okay. Al has two degrees from Harvard University, where he also taught economics. Before entering population health, he was also a partner at Bain and Company. Now Al wears multiple hats and not just to cover his bald spot. He's a critically acclaimed author who has written several books. One book, Why Nobody Believes the Numbers, was named the Healthcare Book of the Year by Forbes when it was published. Another book, Surviving Healthcare, was also a bestseller and had multiple excerpts appearing in Harvard Business Review. He's had more, more books than that published, but those are the two that I wanted to mention. As a consultant, he's widely acclaimed for his expertise in population health outcomes and strategy. In 2013, Al was named one of the unsung heroes changing healthcare forever. As a validator of outcomes, he has been able to obtain gold standard certifications for many of his clients and Quizify from the Healthcare Congress's Validation Institute. And while with all of these accolades, he still can't get his kids to clean up their rooms. Um, I can still say your most prolific antagonist against wellness programs. Are, I, 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 you know, if there's somebody else, I'd like to meet that person and put my hat to him. That would also show my bald spot. <laughs> Fair enough. That, did we get that? Did we get that on? Because that's a good line. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't see it from here, but but uh, oh. I pulled that off your bio. So Al, uh, there has to be a story to go from Harvard with two degrees, teaching economics, consulting for Bain and then starting Quizify. Can, can you tell us how you got to start Quizify? What prompted you to start your own company? And, and how is Harvard still connected with what you do now? Okay, those are, those are two great uh, questions, quite separate. Um, the, the way I got into Quizify was I'd always had a background in trivia. Uh, if you had subscribed to Newsweek magazine in the mid-'80s, you would have received a copy of Newsweek Presents the Ultimate Trivia Game, which I wrote. And in 87, I was actually on Jeopardy once. So I've got a, I always had a great interest in trivia. But then in uh, 2013, I think it was, I was um, just completely overdiagnosed and almost just really harmfully overtreated by my medical practice, the medical practice that I go to. And I thought, and I was kept pushing back on all this stuff they wanted to do. And I thought, you know, if this can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And that's where the that's where the genesis for Quizify came from. Is teaching people originally it was teaching people how to avoid uh, too much healthcare being done to you using trivia questions, and it's subsequently expanded so that it's now about health, healthcare, and health benefits, but still all using a uh, trivia question format. We call it Jeopardy meets Health Benefit Education meets Comedy Central. But was there an aha moment when you said, "Hey, look, putting these two together will actually help." Uh, yes, it was. It was after. I mean, the 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 backstory of my 
over-diagnosis and over-treatment-wise. I used to uh, host a radio show here in the D.C. market on the NPR affiliate. And after the first uh, episode that they that they taped, uh, they said, okay, you know, this, this sounded really good. You'll sound better when you get over your cold. Well, Michael, newsflash, this is how I sound, you know. <laughs> and uh, and somebody had told me a long time ago I had a deviated septum or something. I don't know what. But in any event, so I called back up to my primary care doctor in, in Boston, and I said, hey, you know, uh, I need to get in to see an ENT because I really thought I was going to be fired over something this way, you know. So I said, I need to get in to see an ENT because I think I have a deviated septum. I got to do something about it. So being a patient-centered medical home, they love to satisfy people by giving them whatever medical care they want. So she had me, you know, seeing an ENT within a couple of days of when I got back up to Boston. So the ENT uh, looks, you know, she uses a scope, looks in my nose and stuff. She says, well, you know, you have a deviated septum, but uh, you got to do something worse. You have polyps. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, polyps. You know, I don't know some polyps. So she said, so here are your choices. Uh, we can uh, surgically remove them. Uh, you can go on antibiotics for three weeks. You can go on antibiotics and flonase, or um, or or you can just use flonase. And by the way, I'm going to want a CAT scan of your sinuses. So the first thing I said was, well, shouldn't we do the most conservative thing first? And she says, quote unquote, with the exact intonation, well, you could, as in like only an idiot would, you know. <laughs> So I, you know, I, I ruled out the surgery, and I basically made a mental note not to not to go back to this particular practice. And uh, and then I asked, I said, well, uh, three weeks seems an awful long time for an antibiotic, and also I don't think it's bacterial. And she says, well, my patients report good results with the antibiotics. I'm thinking I got to get out of here in a hurry. So I, I agreed to the flonase, and she says, you know, it says once a day on the label, you can take it twice a day. I said, fine. So I got the Flonies prescription for my hoarseness and everything. And um, and then, you know, I went home and I lived maybe, I don't know, five minutes from the doctor's office. By the time I got home, they'd already scheduled this CAT scan. Um, well, so I thought, well, if I just don't return the call, that'll be fine. You know, no, they called a couple more times. And the last thing I want is a CAT scan. So, so, so you know, a CAT scan, as people who play Quizify will learn, contains 500 times the radiation of an X-ray. Now, I knew that. She didn't disclose that. But I'll be gosh darn if I'm going to have 500 times the radiation and x-ray pointed at my head. Right. So I called them back, canceled the CAT scan, and the only thing I did was the Flonase for my horses. So I'm, I'm taking the Flonase twice a day. And one time, at one point, I read the label, and it says, side effects may include horses. <laughs> so I've done exactly the wrong. Essentially, everything she told me was wrong and much too much health care. And uh, so that's when I had the epiphany. Now, as, as it happened, I called down to the producer here in, in uh, D.C., where I am actually right now, and she said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just give you some tea with some lemon. Just take a few sips. You'll be fine. So that was the end of that. You know, the show did get canceled after six, six or seven episodes, but it, it didn't get canceled because, you know, listeners were writing in and saying, this guy sounds like he has polyps. No, it got canceled because they couldn't find underwriting. Wow. So, and, and I've heard you speak a couple of times and, and uh, in talking about the mission of Quizify, you talk a lot about health literacy and teaching health, uh, teaching health properly to employees. Um, wh why, wh what, what is your observation about health literacy as it pertains to the cost of health 
for the general population? Well, we get we get overtreated by about 30% in this country. And what we find at Quizify is a lot of that overtreatment can be avoided if you just ask a few questions like, um, how much radiation is in this CAT scan? Or um, what will you learn from this test that we don't already know? Mm-hmm. Or if I don't do this test now, am I going to get worse? Can I do it later? What's the false positive rate? Any number of things that you can ask. And then when it comes to drugs, there are a whole lot of drugs that people are taking that they don't understand the uh, long-term effects of. Uh, for instance, uh, Benadryl, which appears in, get this, 115 over-the-counter medications, essentially anything that has PM on it and a whole bunch of other stuff has Benadryl in it. Well, Benadryl is fine for allergies, but what they don't tell you is that if you take it every night to get to sleep, which many, many people do, it's linked to dementia. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I've I've taken your quizzes and uh, I thought I knew everything. I'm kidding, of course. Well, I... I, I have to tell you, I just learned this myself uh, within the last couple of years. So if you took my, you know, it's, it's one of, it's one of seven or eight hundred questions. So uh, you might have missed it. Yeah, that one would stand out though. Uh, just, yeah. But but anyhow, um, but but I think you've equated a cost. I've seen I've seen a cost, a, a, a graph that you show. Here's the cost on average of what a, a health yes. literate versus I, health illiterate person. Yes. So um, there have been two studies done by the government on uh, the effect of health literacy on healthcare spending when you're spending somebody else's money, in this case, the government's money. In both cases, they showed that people who understood health literacy spent about half to two-thirds as much as people who did not understand health literacy. Now, we don't say we're going to redress that entire amount. What we do say is you're spending, you know, a, a buck an employee a month uh, on Quizify, and you'll save, uh, you know, at least two, if not more like 20 times that amount in, uh, in healthcare spending, which is easy because if you're saving, if you're spending six or $7,000 an employee a year, which you probably are, 2000 has wasted. We're talking about $24 for Quizify. You don't have to save much of that 2000 to get a nice ROI. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've uh, seen various statistics, but there is a consistent theme that anywhere from 30 to 40% of all healthcare dollars spent is just, is just wasted, either in inefficiency or uh, the wrong place of treatment. You, you might call that health illiteracy or something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's very consistent with what, with what you're saying. Uh, well, and actually, there's another big piece of it, which is you said inefficiency and wrong place of treatment. It's just plain old things that don't shouldn't be done that get done because somebody demands them or because someone's making a lot of money on them. We do if you take these scans or stents or back surgeries or any number of things, curiously not including hospital inpatient days, but just about everything else, we're doing twice as much as the average developed country and we have not as good health outcomes by a long shot as the average developed country. Yeah. And, you know, I, I find this, uh, it just, it's an oddity. And you think about uh, supply chain management and how most companies have a very rigorous process about buying anything. It could be pens, paper, you know, whatever, whatever companies use to, uh, as raw materials. There's normally a very diligent procurement process where health insurance is the only thing where you essentially give 
every employee that buys into the plan a blank credit card says, hey, just do your best um, without really giving any direction whatsoever. So with that in mind, um, how, how does Quizify work and uh, how do you seek to educate folks so that they're not just randomly getting care or listening to doctors or just getting false information? Well, it, you, you just basically gave our little sales presentation. We say, is there any other line item where you give employees an unlimited budget and no training in how to spend it? So we are training them in how to spend it. And typically 10 questions a month, 12 months a year. So we're spoon feeding it a little at a time because you don't want to overwhelm people. Uh, and remember, you're also covering, you're covering health and health benefits as well as health care. But it's the healthcare ones that lead to the to the savings. The things like, uh, well, the scan example that we just gave, or the fact that way too many people get stents uh, who have stable angina with one death occluded, and it turns out that a stent doesn't do any good in those cases. So we're teaching this a little at a time, um, but over a course of a year, two years, three years. Yeah, but yours is yours is not a program where someone can come to your website and and search. MRIs. I mean, you're, you're spoon feeding folks content on bite-sized basis. So over time, um, th- there is a transfer of knowledge. Is that correct? Uh, well, it's, it's 80% correct. So uh, if somebody does go to, um, if they, they are a Quizify user, they can actually go into Quizify and learn a ton about MRIs, um, but not from the people who make MRIs. Um, <laughs> Okay. So our, our material is, 90% of it is reviewed and stamped by Harvard Medical School, and the people we work with at Harvard Medical School, are um, the doctors we work with, are you know very cognizant of all the overuse that takes place. Mm-hmm. And just today, as a matter of fact, uh, I was talking to somebody about, um, about CAT scans, and they said, oh, you know, we do, and I said, you know, we do 245 per thousand, which is twice as much as the average. Um, utilization in a developed country, they said, oh, you should go to, I think it was called Image Wisely or something like that. And, uh, and Image Wisely is trying to get people to, you know, to use less CAT scans, fewer CAT scans as well. So maybe you can do something together. Well, so I went to the website. It turns out Imaging Wisely, I think it's called Imaging Wisely, is a website that is sponsored by the, uh, the Radiology Trade Association. There's nothing on it about overuse. It's all about uh, making sure you don't, you know, give people too high a dose of radiation, which is which is wonderful, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem. As uh, Peter Drucker said, um, management guru, for those of you not, not familiar with him, said, nothing is more wasteful than doing something efficiently that need not be done at all. And everybody else is trying to get do CAT scans, MRIs, all these other things efficiently, uh, we're trying to make sure that the ones that shouldn't be done don't get done because the patients start asking a few questions. I mentioned in, in the introduction that you're the most prolific antagonist against wellness programs, but uh, how does your, your program does fit into a well-being space, does it not? Oh, without question. We, we are, are, are antagonistic only toward one type of wellness program, which we call wellness done to employees as opposed to wellness done for employees. Okay. We fit in very well with anybody who's doing wellness for their employees. And we're also not opposed to screening. In fact, people ask us to 
to do um, uh, to, to write custom quizzes for their screening program were just opposed to opposed to inappropriate screening. You shouldn't be screened for for low probability uh, low probability things because the rate of false positives is going to overwhelm the mm -hmm. rate of true positives. Can you? And everyone's going to get stressed out. Oh, can you expand a little bit on that? I want to make sure I understand sure. what you mean. Okay, so um, let's use an example of the testing that's done by Interactive Health. Uh, they're, they're a very large vendor, and their business model is to test everybody for everything. Now, the, the number of people walking around who, and it like liver disease, okay? Mm -hmm. The number of people walking around with liver disease and that's actually bothering them, where early detection would, would make a difference, but they don't have any symptoms that they're tracing to liver disease, and therefore, oh, and if they didn't do anything, they'd end up in the hospital in a, in a year or two. Uh, and those are the people that Interactive Health is looking for. Now, that might be one in 10,000 employed people who has liver disease. It's going to get worse. They don't know about it. It can be caught on a blood test and, um, you know, dot, dot, dot. Now, assume that a test is 90% accurate. And in interactive health dreams, their tests are 90% accurate. But let's assume that. So you're looking for a 1 in 10,000 hidden condition um, that's relevant, a relevant hidden condition. It's about a 1 in 10,000 shot with a 90% accurate uh, lab test. That means if you test 10,000 people, you'll find that one person probably. You have a 90% chance of finding that one person. But if your test is 90% accurate, it means it's 10% inaccurate, which means you'll find a thousand people that you're going to tell have lab, you're going to tell them you have lab liver disease probably and need to go to the doctor. You're going to find a thousand false positives for every true positive. Well, so with with that being said, um, you had mentioned wellness either done for you or wellness done to you. Um, <clears throat> Any any advice or guidance uh, in terms of how you just make a distinction between the two? Sure. If you have to uh, find people or bribe them with a lot of money to uh, to do some wellness activity, you're doing it to them. And the only reason they're doing it is because they don't want to lose the money. Right. If it's something that people want or the incentive is very minor, Quizify tends to work on a very minor incentive. We tell people... We don't even want a big incentive. We want people to play the game because they want to play the game. That's wellness done for employees. Al, um, walk us through a traditional 12-month uh, process with Quizify. Uh, what an employer should expect to happen over that 12 months? What should be the outcome at the end of that year? Okay, you're playing the game. Uh, you're offering the game 12 times a year. Depending on your communication and your um, incentive, you're going to get anywhere from about 12% um, to 70% playing the game every month, which means that your your per year people are playing between one and eight times a year, which is which is huge. I mean that that level of engagement for the price we charge is huge. Right. So they're playing the game. Typically, you get some tire kickers in the first month, so participation goes way up. Then it goes down. Uh, but then um, as word gets out, it creeps back up again. At the end of 12 months, you've probably, let's say you have 1,000 people in your company, the game has probably been played 3,000 times. 
it, during the last couple of months, we repeat, there, there's several ways we measure the outcomes. During the last couple of months, we repeat questions from, not all questions, but a few questions from months one, two, and three, and we then compare the percent who are getting it right in month 11 and 12 to the ones who got it right in one, two, or three. And that tells you either that people were retaining the information or else when they saw the question, they knew that they could look it up and, and find something, that, but they knew that it was something that they didn't know. And that's as good. I mean, ours is the only game where cheating is encouraged. We want people to cheat and look at the answer. And do you so, typically see an improvement? I'm, I know that's probably a softball question, but what do you... You know, the improvement ranges from like uh, like if 25% of people were getting the right answer in the months one, two, or three, that generally jumps to well over 50%. I mean, it's a huge increase. Now, I, I just want to uh, have an expectation. I want to be honest. The questions we repeat tend to be the more interesting questions, the, the questions that, that tend to stick in people's minds, but that's because they're the most important questions. That's the way we measure number one. Way we measure number two is a two-question survey that, that we tend, tend not to be the ones to ask. We encourage the employer to ask it, where um, it's, the first question is, uh, which of the following did you do benefits, did you indulge or did you, did you uh, take part in last year and how many times? And then you have five different benefits. You have Quizify, screening, EAPs second opinion, essentially anything that's paid for PEPM, you'd list on one axis. And then between zero and, and 10, the number of times you use it. Okay, so so like Quizify might be used, um, uh, you know, uh, on average three or four times. And then, um, or the EAP might be used on average 0 0.5 times a year, because hardly anybody uses it. Then the next question is, when you used it, when you have used it, how much value have you uh, received on a zero to five scale? So you, um, you put down how much value you've got out of Quizify, the EAP, the screening, et cetera. You multiply those two things together, the participation rate times the value per participant, and it gives you an overall value score. You then graph that against the cost of the program. So you've got on the, on the vertical axis, you have the value of the program. The horizontal axis, you have the cost of the program. Quizify actually guarantees that we're going to be the highest value to cost uh, ratio on that graph. And if not, we adjust our price downward so that we are. Is that part of your savings guarantee or is that a different well, that, performance guarantee? That, that, actually, that actually is going to replace our savings guarantee. Our savings guarantee has so much complexity that nobody's taking advantage of it. And we, unlike every other company, want people to measure our outcomes. So we do have a savings guarantee. We're still going to offer it. We're just not going to, um, you know, have it be the number one thing, which is actually also fairly straightforward, but requires some analysis, which is you take the, the, the 10 things that we identify at the beginning of the period as being the things that are most overutilized. Mm -hmm. We mentioned scans. We mentioned stents. There's certain types of drugs. There's, there's ER visits when urgent care is open. Uh, there's there's freestanding ER visits. There's all sorts of things we'd overutilize. We pick 10, and there's a rate per thousand for those 10. We then, at the end of the year, compare the rate per thousand during the year to the previous year, and that, that those rates per thousand in total have to fall more than twice as much as, as Quizify costs. 
Well, that's actually, uh, that's a very, uh, and having looked at a few performance guarantees in my day, that's a very compelling performance guarantee and a commitment to the value you create. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, Michael, the, the funny thing is, since I've written, uh, you mentioned uh, why nobody believes in numbers and surviving workplace wellness. Also, Cracking Health Costs, I wrote with Tom Emmerich. And, right. and, cracking, and those three books are all about how you measure validly. The Validation Institute, which I'm on the, the advisory committee for, and I found it, is about how to measure validly. So even if I wanted to lie, it would be incredibly hypocritical <laughs> <laughs> of me. So yes, that particular methodology that I just mentioned, the third one I mentioned is no regression to the mean, and it has no participant versus non-participant bias. And on paper, it's very compelling. In practice, no one has taken us up on it. And the, 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 what we usually get, which is very nice, is, you know, we looked into how much it would cost to do this analysis, and we know how much Quizified costs, and it would actually cost us more to do the analysis than it would be just to keep going with Quizified. <laughs> I got it. So um, let me ask you a question, because you had talked about the questions themselves, and at the beginning of the year, you so at the beginning of the client relationship or the following year, you have 10 buckets to choose from. I'm assuming that a client can give you their data and you can translate that data into questions. Is, is that correct? Uh, yeah. So let, let me just backtrack a little bit. Um, when I say 10, they're, they're going to pick 10 things that they would like to see reduced. That's not really going to change our curriculum much, but we're going to focus maybe 20% of our questions on those 10 things. And as you said, they can give us data about their own benefits design and that kind of thing. So right. we can write questions that are specific to their benefits. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe in terms of a unique challenge within a population, like let's say it's a group of truck drivers and sleep apnea is a particular area that it may not be a problem, but they want to raise awareness to it. And that may be a bad example, but, but essentially. No, no, it's a great example. It's a great example, and in fact, today, we just presented a sleep hygiene quiz to the, um, the National Railway Labor Conference, which they're oh. the folks who, who designed the benefits for railroad workers. And right. one piece of, of trivia that will make sense when I tell you what it is, is that the expression, asleep at the switch, comes from the railroad industry. <laughs> so it, it, in transportation, sleep is, uh, sleep is huge. Uh, so we have uh, uh, actually two sleep quizzes. Uh, we have a sleep hygiene and a uh, medicinal sleep aid quiz. We don't, I mean, and, and uh, frankly, I don't think we do have anything on sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is so serious that they're going to be screening for it, you know. Yeah. Um, but we have all sorts of stuff on sleep hygiene. Uh, you know, uh, take medicinal sleep aids, which are humongously overutilized, or, or they're utilized a lot. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are over the counter uh, contain Benadryl. Like anytime you see like the words PM, like Advil PM, Aleer, P, you know, oh, yes. PM, that kind you of thing. You did mention that, yes. Okay. So, 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 you know, letting people know that there's long-term effects of that, mm-hmm. um, letting them know that if they're going to take Ambien, they should cut the dose in half for a few nights to make sure that they're not one of the very small numbers that's going to have a sort of a violent sleep episode. Uh, um, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that. And the sleep hygiene quiz covers things like, I, I, tell me, if, stop me if you already knew this, 
Uh, you know those new energy efficient curly Q light bulbs that we're supposed to use? Yep. It turns out they keep you awake. It turns out that they give off considerably more blue light than the incandescent bulbs do. Huh. I did not know that. I didn't either. That's what makes it such a good question. So I, you know, I immediately, as soon as I learned this, swapped out my bedside light, table light, for an old incandescent bulb. So you learn stuff that, that you can put to work right away. In fact, here's the key difference between wellness and Quizify. In wellness, 95% of what you're supposed to do, you already know, and but you just either can't do it, don't want to do it, or addicted to the opposite or something. So everybody knows they're supposed to weigh less, or everyone who weighs more than they should know is supposed to weigh less. Putting that into action is extraordinarily difficult. Right. So it's 99% in, you know, in willpower, behavior change, depriving yourself, all sorts of horrible you know, stuff that nobody can do. Quizify is 99% about just knowing the right answer and only 1% about changing your behavior. So knowing that about blue light, you go, you take out the old light bulb, you put in another light socket somewhere else in the house, and you put in an incandescent bulb. That's 1% effort. 99% was knowing you had to do it. Yeah, and I, I read somewhere, I'm not sure if it was, I think it was an, on your website, but you, you had talked about um, within many of the quizzing episodes that people are to be able to, they're able to make immediate changes in their healthcare decision making. And so could you talk a little bit about what the data is showing you? Yes, they do. They do make immediate changes. We do. It, we do have on our website, uh, we ask people not only, you know, does, did it change your, this was before we switched to the new, um, that new survey that I told you about, the two-question survey. Right. But we ask, you know, did this change your attitudes? And we get this overwhelming people who say yes. But then we specifically ask, did it change your behavior uh, in, in seeking health care? And uh, after seven months in the, in the last survey we did, 11% said that they got health care they otherwise would not have gotten, while 18% said they declined health care or didn't seek health care they otherwise would have sought. So we're bringing underutilizers up and overutilizers uh, down. But to the example of the immediate, there are things, I mean, I just gave a, a, a presentation, I suppose I can tell you who it is because um, they're not competing with anybody, to the city of New York. And uh, one of the questions was about um, heartburn pills, which are another thing that people dramatically overutilize because they don't understand the, uh, the long-term right. uh, harms. And in fact, if you read the label carefully, the label actually says, stop taking this after eight weeks, but nobody does. Um, so one of the people right in the room said, I need to stop taking these things. You know? So we got immediate, I said, I said to the, the folks at the city, I said, look, at a point, I'm not going to obviously tell you it is, but I, 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 I said, here's somebody's changing his behavior. You haven't even started Quizify yet. You're already getting behavior change. <laughs> and, you know, actually, I knew that because my, my doctor put me on uh, the purple pill, I think, probably 20 oh, or so. Year. Yeah, 20 or so years ago. And I read the, the uh, side effects and it said not to use for more. I think it was more than a two or three week period. It, it was two weeks. It was two weeks in those days. They've upped yeah. it to eight, but yes, good memory. Yeah. And I asked my doctor and he says, well, um, this is just what we use. Nobody really knows the long-term effects of, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, of the medication itself. And so, um, you know, I, I stopped using it, but I just thought that was an interesting response from my doctor. 
uh, it's honest. And in fact, in those days, 20 years ago, he probably didn't. But, you know, the, the changing the pH of your stomach, I mean, you're, you know, we've evolved over a long period to have a specific pH in your stomach. Changing it has all sorts of impacts that if you didn't know, you would never actually relate them to yeah. taking the heartburn pills. Uh, you know, kidney disease and bone fractures and, you know, heart disease and magnesium deficiency. I mean, all sorts of stuff that that they're learning. Now, this is not to say that they're not safe drugs. They're perfectly safe for short periods. This is all about long-term off-label use. Yep, yep. And for me, the the, the cure was literally changing what I eat. And yeah, that, that took a while to figure out, but that ultimately was the cure. Um, oh, I, I, should, I should tell you my story related to that, which is like you, uh, less than 20 years ago, I was also taking these things every night. And I was in the supermarket and there was a guy unloading stuff in the dairy uh, area. And I asked him where something else in the supermarket was. And he said he didn't know because he didn't work in the supermarket. He worked, you know, he was unloading uh, product for, for Dannon. I said, okay, thanks very much. And I turned to walk away. He said, do you suffer from frequent heart pain? You know, so I did a double thing, you know. So I turned around and said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And he gave me coupons for their new yogurt, which at the time was Activia. He said, here, just uh, here's free coupon. Just, uh, you know, take one of, eat one of these a day for a couple of weeks and see how you feel. I'm telling you, Michael, three days, my heartburn was gone, and I haven't had anything stronger than a Tums in the last 15 years. Wow. And I'm sure you feel a heck of a lot better. Well, you know, curiously, I, I never, I, I didn't feel any side effects of the other medication. So I, like you and like everyone else, I would have just continued on it and thought I was doing great. Yeah. Well, uh, every time we talk, I always learn something from you. And, and was there something though that, that uh, you, you wanted to share that maybe we didn't cover that you feel is very, very important for your clients and potential clients to know? Well, uh, just that uh, I always ask people, what is the argument against educating your employees? Is there any other aspect of their job where you want them to be ignorant? <laughs> and uh, have you ever anyone said yes to that? <laughs> uh, and, and yet there are plenty of people who see the presentation or don't sign up. I always say we have the highest ratio of people who say, wow, this is a great product. We love it. To people who actually sign up in the entire industry. <laughs> well, that being said, how do you make money? Uh, it's, a, it's generally speaking a per employee per month with spouses half price. Depending on the size of the account, it ranges from uh, $1.35 a month down to you know, maybe uh, 50 or $0.60. Cents. Um, the typical way I tell people to talk about it is a dollar. Uh, if you want to pay less, you can prepay for the year. Or you can sign a longer contract. Okay. Uh, there's no... Percentage of savings are magical. Well, no. Uh, we we guarantee, our, as I mentioned, we do guarantee 100% of our savings against that little graph of value and cost that I told you about or against folks who actually want to do the math and figure out if their uh, utilization has declined in those key overutilized areas. So um, there, there, are, there, there are some pretty darn uh, airtight guarantees on that. That's cool. So, Al, uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and get a hold of your company, what's the best way they can do that? Well, uh, on the one hand, it's al at quizify.com with two Zs. On the other hand, I'd say I only have three uh, areas of expertise in the entire universe, which are uh, analyzing wellness outcomes, writing health literacy trivia questions, and shameless self-promotion. So if you can't find me on LinkedIn, I'm not doing my job. (laughs) 
Fair enough. I, I, I like to say to people that if you can't find me, I'm not doing my job. So, um, exactly. good to know. Al, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. you. And uh, I, I, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on, Michael. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Solving Healthcare. If you like this episode, please rate it and also provide your comments. If you would like to know how this service or others could fit within your organization, or if you'd like to sign up for future podcasts and news updates, please go to www.solvinghealthcare.net and click on contact.